Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. Back at you with another fantastic interactive class here in the Connected Universe portal. We're going to be talking about dreams and premonitions, the power of dreams. So but real quick, before we dive into all of that, I do want to throw out there for those that are listening to the uh, podcast later, or those that are uh, listening to the syndicated show on like KPNL, KGRA, the UnX Network. This is an interactive class that we run live on Wednesday nights, and we invite you out here, uh, 8 o'clock p.m. on Wednesdays. 30-day uh, free trial, connecteduniverseportal.com. Come try it out, see how you like it, get down in there into the chat. Uh, we do videos and, of course, the presentation uh, slides, of course, during the, the live stream show. And you get to ask your own questions, of course. Uh, but there's a lot of great information on the back end as well. So, you know, we have monthly Q&A videos. Uh, we have sneak peek and behind the scenes videos. Of course, the weekly interactive class, exclusive articles, insider travel blogs like from Egypt, Ireland, uh, the American Southwest, and more of that will be coming up when we go back to Egypt in February. So do invite everybody to come out with us uh, in February. So February 7th, the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour. We can find all that information connecting universeportal.com. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about dreams and premonitions. But first off, we have to get to the class question for this evening. There's a lot of feedback on this one. What's a dream you've had that turned out to be a premonition? I'll let you know some of mine here in just a little bit. That's what we are going to start with. Uh, but a lot of great feedback here. Uh, the first one was from uh, Connie Mayanecki, and our, our heart goes out to her uh, with, with this one. Uh, she said, I actually dreamed about my son dying about four months before he did. I woke up with that horrible feeling in my gut and texted him immediately to ask if he was okay, that I'd had this dream. He just laughed at me and told me not to worry. He's fine. I completely forgot about that. And then after his passing, I was going through my text conversations with, with him and found that one. It was just like, whoa. So um, she's unable to join us tonight. She's on her way to Virginia City for a paranormal event down there. But yeah, Connie, our, our heart goes out to you on that. Um, it's never losing a child. I can't even imagine that. So uh, you know, no, no parent should uh, outlive their child. But, um, okay. So Jen, uh, Jennifer LeBay says, I had a similar experience to Connie, but mine was about my Nana. It was so real, I had to call her in the middle of the night to make sure she was okay. Luckily, she was, and it did not turn out to be a premonition of her death. But I have never experienced like that, anything like that since. Something was amiss for sure. So, and we see in a lot of these type of cases, we're going to get into some of this stuff this evening, how um, you know, we have that connection with, with our loved ones like this. And so uh, we end up with a lot of different dreams like this about people that we love or that we're extremely connected to. Uh, Alina said, uh, I had two extremely vivid dreams. World War III was on its way. The first was in 2020 and the other last year. A few months ago, I also had one about human trafficking. One day after, a new human trafficking task force was announced in the country or the county I live in. So, uh, yeah, some, uh, you know, premonitions there with that last one. I hope you know, the World War III part is, is not... Uh, 
a premonition, but I get what you're saying there because I have had into the world type dreams before. Okay, Vicky Brees says, not a premonition, but I've had dreams after people have died, either letting me know they are okay or to pass a message along to someone. We are going to get into dream visitations this evening as well. Uh, th those are some interesting occurrences. And then she goes on to say, but my mom does have premonitions. Her mom came to her the night she died to say goodbye. She also knew my uncle was going to pass away. She was in a room with my uncle and there was a knock on the door. My uncle answered and my grandmother was there telling him it was time to go. So, um, yeah, we see that in a lot of cases as well, where uh, when when someone passes away, either uh, there's there's a dream about them or they show up as an apparition in the room. Or in a lot of cases, people report just seeing them as like a whole person, like they're completely solid and they enter the room and they're standing there at the bed. And, you know, in, in many cases, they don't even say goodbye, but I guess in, in this case was it was time to go. Uh, but in a lot of cases, they just have like a little message or some parting words. And, um, and and then that's it. They're gone. They find out, no, they had actually passed away the day beforehand or something like that. So we see that, um, you know, the, the relationships, the connections, of course, this is, you know, the connected universe. We see that those connections create a tie back to a person, that, uh, that energy that binds us together. And when one passes, we see that play out in dreams or in, you know, some of these appearances and visitations and things like that. So we'll get into some of those things this evening. Um, all right. So before we get into all the different stories, just real quick here, um, I don't want to get too scientific or technical in, in this particular one. I mean, we could do that uh, when we're talking about dreams and the dream state and all that. And from time to time, we'll, we'll touch on it a little. Uh, but I did want to go through real quick uh, the stages of sleep and the, the brainwave activity, uh, because there are, are several different ones that as you uh, pass into sleep and to get into different phases that the the waves in your brain actually change. So there's the first one, beta, which is your normal waking consciousness. So that's when, like right now, we are in beta that operates between 14 and 30 hertz. Then you have alpha. This is your relaxed, calm state. And uh, they say, it's, you know, the, the pattern of insights, eureka moments, things like that. It's 9 to 13 hertz. Uh, but then as you, you know, start to uh, you know, get tired or if you start to uh, you know, meditate like Jen does the transcendental meditation, that's when you get into a theta state. So that's meditation and level one and level two sleep, which operates between about four and eight hertz. Uh, you see I'm basically, you know, the chart on the, the right hand side kind of going down there. But then on the left hand side, you see uh, the different phases listed out there where, um, you have near rim and rim. So stage one, dozing off. Stage two, memory consolidation. So this is when you're getting into your meditation and different levels of sleep. Your stage three, uh, that's you know, muscular repair and body regeneration. This is uh, you know why you really need sleep at night. And I don't get enough. I, I admit that I do not get enough uh, to get into that body regeneration stage, which I which I need. Because uh, I've had I've had my share of issues and things like that. I'm generally healthy, but you know I've had liver issues and things like that. Um, so that's you know your your delta one to three hertz, level three, level four sleep, 
and then you get into that that's your deep dreamless sleep but then you get into rim which is emotional regulation skill learning this is where um your uh you know your dreams start to come in when you get into that uh that rim stage and so we're going to be talking about you know what we're able to to access and get as far as like premonitions visitations um, messages that you know, maybe are, are playing out uh, in your mind, ways that you're able to, uh, you know, astral project. You know, the question that comes up: Can we astral project into somebody else's dream? Are people able to astral project into our dreams? Uh, in other, perhaps more, you know, supernatural connections and things like this. So, all right. Um, Alina says she's wakes up in places not knowing where I am and how I got there and see things in extreme detail. So yeah, a lot of people have some very, very uh, vivid experiences when it comes to dreams. And sometimes you start to wonder, um, you know, is what I experienced real or was it just a dream? So let's start with some premonitions. I'm going to go into several of my own stories here. Um, kind of, you know, prudent if we're going to be talking about these different things, kind of give examples. And if you guys have things to share, by all means, share them down in the chat. You guys did a wonderful job of providing some feedback for the class question. So, okay, dream premonition. So I'm going to go back to when I was first asked to write the book Ghosts of Maryland. Now, I was a fiction writer at the time. I had had my first book out, Deadly Errors. It was a fiction novel, mystery novel. And I was reached out to this back in the MySpace days, uh, my editor for, for that book and the couple of books that I wrote for that particular publisher, my, my editor, uh, had reached out to me over MySpace and said, Hey, um, you know, I know that you're a fiction writer and, and write mystery, but I see that you also have an interest in the paranormal, You've written some paranormal short stories, this sort of thing. You also live in Maryland, and we are expanding our line of nonfiction ghost books. Would you like to write our Maryland book for us? Now, the way I tell the story is always like, you know, it, it dropped on my lap, and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. But there was some initial hesitation because it was one of those, well, sure, yes, I have an interest in the, in the paranormal, yes. Um, I've, I've written some you know, ghost stories and things like that before. I've, um, I wasn't really watching the show so much. I've, I've, I'd watched Scariest Places on Earth uh, at that time. wasn't really, you know, Ghost Hunters so much, even though that was out at the time. Uh, but I did have an interest in, like, Amityville. And I'd had my first little paranormal investigation. And I'd been, you know, researching about different phenomena kind of on the side, in the background, uh, not really out in the forefront. So this was an opportunity, uh, of course, to, to write another book, but really almost changed the genre that I was in. Now, I did end up writing a second mystery novel, but of course, I've written more paranormal supernatural stuff after. So I ended up making that decision that, yes, I'm going to go ahead and do this. But when I was mulling that over, because I didn't immediately say yes, it wasn't like in an instant yes. That night, I had this interesting dream that I had walked up to and into this old historic home. And you know, I'm looking around, it's a fantastic house, it's beautiful. I sat down in this big entrance hall, I sat down in this, in this chair that was there. 
And again, I'm still looking around, looking around. This is a great place. And I went to get up and I couldn't move. It was like something was pressing me down into the chair. Like, what, what's going on here? Um, I, I, what's up? Yeah, and, and I'd had dreams before in the past where, and actually not really dreams, but I'd had moments in the past where I was sleeping and it felt like something was pressing down on me. And I, you know, and I couldn't get out of that. Like something was trying, trying to get inside me, that sort of thing. This was a little bit different because it was inside the dream. Finally, I was able to force myself up, get out of the chair. And again, there was nothing that I could see. And I, you know, walked out the front door and I'm like, oh my gosh, what was that? Um, but, you know, I ended up, of course, making the decision to, uh, to, to write the book. So as I'm doing my research and I'm starting to visit uh, historic locations around Maryland, I found myself at this location. This was really the first place that I went to go visit. Uh, it was, I won't say right down the road from where I worked at the time, but uh, very, very close to the library system in which I in which I worked. I worked in the IT department there. And this was something I was able to actually do during an extended lunch, uh, Montpelier Mansion. And so, you know, beautiful old uh, Georgian historic home there in uh, in Maryland. The the building off to the side there, off to the right, is actually an addition. It's kind of the gift shop in the offices. Um, but, you know, this this is the home. This is actually now the back side of it. This is the what's now the front, and this is the back, but in when it was originally built, it was reversed where this was the front, because this is when you're coming up from the river, you would go to this door. But in any case, taking the tour of the house, walking around, it is a self-guided tour. So, and because of the time of day that I was there, I was, I was on my own. So basically between these two doors is this room here, this entrance hall with the chairs. And it's like, oh my God, this is that hall that I dreamt about. These are the chairs, one of these chairs in which I sat in, in that dream and I could not get out of. So of course, I did not sit in the chair. <laughs> not that I thought that I was going to get pinned to the chair. I mean, it is a very haunted house. And if you ever go to Laurel, Maryland, definitely go check out Montpelier Mansion. Uh, all the Snowden homes there are fantastically haunted. Uh, but I have a special connection to that one just because of that. And then um, you know, a few years later, when I moved back to Maryland for a little bit of time, uh, we had an event there. Uh, called, what did we call it? In any case, it was it was around Halloween time. It was around this time nine years ago, because I think it was 2013. And uh, you know, we I read some of the ghost stories. And then we did like a candlelight ghost tour of it. It was really really uh, fantastic. So uh, those things really kind of stuck with me. But uh, that staircase there are you know the reports of the apparition of a woman with a quilt that works that walks down there and my friend Kat Gash actually caught a fantastic image of a shadow there and you could actually see that image in my book A Walk in the Shadows uh, but that was a really significant uh, basically a, a premonitory dream 
where I'd had a premonition of going to that house. And so that really kind of sealed for me when that happened, you know, at the first location that I went to that, yes, this is the right thing that I'm supposed to be doing. You know, writing these, uh, started with ghost books, it's gotten a lot deeper now. Uh, but, you know, that really became the first significant step for my writing uh, to go down this path that I am now. And so uh, it was just, you know, confirmation for me that I was doing the right thing. This was, the universe was telling me, take this road. So um, Tom here, when writing, you trick your mind into believing it's real. Your dreams can reflect your fantasy into reality. Um, that can, you know, when I, when I've had my writing projects, um, I have dreamt about uh, certain things that we're like, oh, that's that's interesting. Let me go ahead and incorporate that into my book, especially with the fiction writing part of it. Um, but with this, I didn't even know, when I had that dream, I didn't even know about this place. I had no idea at all about Montpelier Mansion. It was uh, something that I didn't, you know, find until a couple of weeks later as I'm like digging in, okay, what are haunted locations around Maryland? There's this place, there's that place, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, I'm trying to make the best use of my time. So, you know, then I started to try to figure out, okay, what places are close to where I work so I can just go out during a lunch period and uh, and visit some of these places. Because where I actually live was um, further into the western part of the state. So anything on the east side was going to be harder for, for me to get to. So I wanted to take care of that while I was there. And that's when I discovered, okay, there's this place called Malpira Mansion. Let me go check it out, and then boom! Oh wow, you know that was that was pretty wild. Um, so Jen asks, would you say that premonition dreams and deja vu are similar experiences? Uh, I would say yes to that. You know, because there are cases in which you know I have a deja vu moment, or people have a deja vu moment, and you're kind of standing there wondering, I, I've seen this before. I've I, I know I've been here. And, you know, it, to you, it's like a deja vu moment. And then you finally realize later on that, oh, wait, this was a dream that I had, or it might even hit you within a few moments. This was a dream I had. We're actually going to talk about that here in just a moment. And then uh, Sarah Yusuf asking, will you be releasing another volume of uh, Ghost Story and Tales? So she's talking about Ghost Story and Case Files. And there is a, a chapter in that book called The Dream Journal. So with that particular chapter, now Ghost Story and Case Files, generally are fictional tales based on real history and legends told from a very, very different perspective where it's like you opened up uh, my file cabinet, took out a file and started leafing through, you know, all the case notes. Uh, and, and, but fiction, even though it includes a lot of uh, history, so you can actually learn something reading those, except the dream journal. The dream journal is entirely 100% true. It's the only chapter in that book that is. Um, but to answer the question, at some point, um, it's not on my immediate radar because of a lot of the other projects that I'm in, but it is something I want to get back to because you can't release a volume one without ever releasing a volume two. <laughs> eventually, eventually. Okay. So moving on, I mentioned that there was going to be like a deja vu moment sort of thing here. And that certainly did happen to me uh, at 
this particular house. This is the John W. Gibson House in Wagoner, Oklahoma. And uh, visited there during a, uh, it was a paranormal investigation that the old, um, it was before we became Society of the Haunted. So it was the old AK, OKPRI team. It was one of the final investigations that we did together as that team before we split off and became Society of the Haunted. And there was a dream that I had that was probably a good year beforehand in which walked into an old historic house and there's this huge, beautiful staircase. You walk up and after you walk up, you're looking over the railing or I was looking over the railing and, um, and in this particular case, in this dream, like I could see ghosts and spirits and things like that and moving about down on the, uh, the foyer. Uh, I was like, okay, cool. This, so this, this is definitely a haunted place. But then there's this long hallway that goes through this second floor of the house. And he walked on down the hallway and there's these stairs uh, at the back of that hallway that go down into the kitchen. And, you know, several members of the team were there, including, uh, Chris, he was the one in the dream that I actually recognized was Chris. And then you know, walk out the back door and there, there are some dogs back there. That's you know, essentially the, the, the premise of the dream. That's the bulk of the dream. So we get to this place here in Wagoner, Oklahoma. And that's okay, cool. Nice historic house. You walk in the front door and there's this nice, big, beautiful staircase. Very, very nice. And, um, you know, it's got this uh, kind of wraparound thing. I love the bookcase over there. The, uh, the pole here actually goes to the bedrooms above. They, they put that in for their sons at some point. But you get this, you know, nice, beautiful staircase. Come up here. You can look down the railing. I didn't see any ghosts or anything. But then you turn to the left here, and there's this long hallway that goes through the second floor. You get to that, the back of that hallway, and there's this staircase that goes down. I love the cat and the glowing eyes down there at the, at the bottom. And what we come out into is the kitchen. And when I walked down those stairs, Chris was actually standing in the kitchen. Now, I didn't go out the back door to find dogs, but I did hear dogs barking out there. So basically, I had dreamt months or maybe it was a year beforehand of this particular house. I've never really found out why, you know, and it, and when I was walking along, it was like a total deja vu moment. Like, oh my gosh, this house is so freaking familiar. Why is this house familiar? And then basically after I got down the stairs and I'm in the kitchen, I saw Chris, I was like, holy crap. I dreamt of this. It had been months beforehand. And that's another interesting thing about, at least for me, everybody's a little bit different. Um, like the premonitions that I've had, these, these type of dreams. I can, you know, have a dream like that and it's not for months, a year, year and a half, whatever, until I actually experience that in my life. Or it might be a couple of days, a week, a couple of weeks, whatever. The amount of time is different. Other people who experience these sort of premonitory dreams, uh, actually have a much more strict and regimented time frame in which they know this thing is going to happen. 
Like they might have a premonition and they know it's going to happen within a couple of days. Or they might have a premonition. They know it's going to happen within the next couple of weeks. But for me, it's kind of all over the place. So yeah, you know, my my superpower isn't as as good as theirs or reliable. <laughs> but um, but it's interesting how how people are are each a little different in those regards. So um, so that's the John W. Gibson house. Now I've talked before uh, about the uh, you know, the Rocky Dreams. Just a couple of more uh, premonition sort of things. Uh, the the Rocky Dream, where you know, we're talking Rocky Balboa, yes. And I think that when you connect with something, you really truly connect with something, that there is something in the universe that will call out to you. Now, Carl Jung talks about his collective unconscious, that basically there's uh, information or energy all around us that we can tap into and extrapolate whatever that is. Uh, that this could be why, you know, so many people all of a sudden we're all making a light bulb or, you know, trying to invent the radio or something like that because they're all suddenly tapping into the same thing. And that's interesting. We've talked a little bit about that here on, on the Connected Universe before. With me, well, you know, when I was a kid, I, I really... Uh, I really like the Rocky movies. <laughs> there, there's something about it, and it's um, you know that spirit of never giving up, even though you've been battered and beaten and bloodied, and you get up and you keep pressing on. That really called out to me, and so I really latched onto those movies as a kid. Well, after the second movie, you know, before the third one came out, uh, before the novelization even came out, uh, I had, as a young child, I'm writing my stories. Uh, you know, I had written about, just give me a little background here. This isn't the dream part, but I need to give you the background. Um, you know, I'd written a story, my Rocky, my version of Rocky three, that, um, that Rocky had become friends with Apollo and he fought a Russian. Well, Rocky Three, he becomes friends with Apollo. In Rocky Four, he fights the Russian. Go figure that. So after Four came out, remember, there's a gap of time between Four and Five. And at some point after Four, I remember having a conversation with my mother and saying, you know, I I really liked it better when when Rocky was was poor and you know didn't have as much money and there was just you know something about his his character that I just really liked better before he got all of those things. Well, and sure enough, in Rocky V, he loses all of the money. Well, between five and six, which is the movie they called Rocky Balboa, huge amount of time, like 15 years or something like that, and never thought a movie was going to get done. Over the years, there started becoming rumors that eh, maybe it'll happen. Well, years before... Rocky Balboa came out. I had a dream. And this is, I was actually working at the library at the time when I had this dream because I, I remember telling my friend Lewis about it uh, afterward. And um, you know, the dream that I had had was, yes, they went ahead and they made a Rocky Six. And within this Rocky Six movie, Adrian was on her deathbed and dying. This was in the dream. Well, Rocky Balboa comes out, and guess what? 
Adrian, well, she's not on her deathbed, but she is just flat out dead. So somehow with whatever was going on that Stallone was tapping into to create these stories, because I had like so attached myself to that storyline, I, I somehow was tapping into it as well and getting little inklings of it. And one of those uh, came out into a dream. So tapping into the collective unconscious like that, where you're able to pull down ideas that others are also tapping into can actually um, manifest itself within your dreams. And you hear sometimes about these guys that, um, you know, like some of the inventors of old and what have you that, you know, where did they get their idea from? They got it out of a dream that it came to them at night one night while they were asleep or you know, I was half asleep and this idea just came to me. And, and that's, uh, that's what we're talking about here. This is one of the things that you can actually do uh, within your dream state. And it, it makes, it, it makes sense. If you're, you know, going back to the brain waves, if your brain is kind of fluctuating between these different frequencies and that thought is perhaps on that same frequency, Maybe kind of floating by at the time that, oh, all of a sudden you grab that, you know, or your subconscious could be sending out some sort of, you can always think of it like a computer, sending out some sort of request. And if it comes into the vicinity, if it's close enough, then, oh, we found it. Let's grab it and pull it down and download it. So you hear, it, it, it's interesting. Um those within the ufology community, a lot of times we'll talk about receiving downloads that, you know, information was downloaded into them. And that's basically what we're talking about here. When we're talking about, you know, tapping into the collective unconscious that um, your, your brain is actually downloading information. So it's really different terminology for the same type of concept. Okay. One other thing, since, uh, you know, Alina was talking about, um, World War III there. Uh, mine was the apocalypse, so, you know, which World War III could be apocalyptic, yes. You know, Armageddon, that sort of thing. But what was, what was interesting about this, and um, I should have, I should have taken the warning. It's, it's one of these where sometimes you don't realize what's, what it is as a warning. So I had a dream one time that um, was at this church standing in the back it was a big auditorium uh like a big school auditorium and the the people that were up on stage reminded me of televangelists and there was somebody that came up to the door and again in the back area they came up to that back door area and said hey mike come, get out of there get come come with me get out of there you know i eventually did and kind of fast forward through the dream a little bit and it's like the end of days, end of times. Um, and we are like straight up fighting demons in the sky sort of thing. Uh, to the point that I remember seeing this, um, you know, my younger mind, because I was like in my 20s at the time, my younger mind is thinking, is, is this Satan? Could have just been a demon. But, you know, it's got the horns and everything looking real ugly. And I remember telling it, um, you know, you're just... You know, you're just pissed off because when all this is said and done, you're not going to exist anymore. And then, boom, we start duking it out in the air. And then at some point, everything just like 
went quiet and hushed and all the, the demons and everything were gone and out of the sky and were down on the ground. And I was actually at my old neighborhood in Westfield, Massachusetts. And everything was calm. Everything was serene. It was like a beautiful uh, autumn day because there were colors in the trees and the way the sun was shining through the trees was just beautiful. And I just felt at peace and at home after that dream. Okay, great. So, of course, Armageddon hasn't happened yet or anything like that. Uh, but what was interesting is the very beginning of that dream, that church that was there, I literally went to that church for a couple years, like years after the fact. But my friend Lewis that I mentioned earlier actually introduced me into that church. He ended up leaving there too. But yeah, the way the whole auditorium was done, the way the, the people presented themselves on stage, all of that just like, boom, this, it was literally in that exact same auditorium and everything it was crazy. Um, and that should have been a warning to me when I first walked in there day one, it should, bells should have gone off that you need to get out of here. You saw this in your Armageddon dream. But I did, it took some years. It took until... I don't want to get, in any case, there was a guy who at one point told me, because I, they had like a, a midweek service, you know, get together sort of thing, which I had missed because I was the coach for my kid's baseball team and we had a game. And so went and did that. And I had this one guy trying to tell me, because um, I'd missed the church thing. He's like, well, we need to talk about your priorities. And it's like, oh. My kids, you know, take precedent over this. I don't know what you're talking about. In any case, there's a little sidebar. Um, okay, so uh, so premonitions can give a warning. You know, that was a straight up warning that I did not listen to. Um, there's also the possibility of you know secrets of the universe. These are all you know, again, we're talking about you know premonitions and, and things like that. We're getting to visitations. Uh, here in just a moment. But one other uh, particular story here. Um, and I really still don't know what to make of it. Um, and I almost didn't recall it until I was watching one of the uh, the older videos here from a few years back um, earlier today. It was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember that dream now. Um, it's the infinity dream. And really what was going on here, now for one, in this dream, I was a woman. So that was kind of interesting. I was a woman in this dream. Uh, and it's very possible I could have been a woman in a past life. I could be a woman in a future life. I, I was a woman in this dream. And um, I was in this strange building. And looking down this particular hallway, the thing that was the quote-unquote infinity, um, at the end of the hall was like this rain kind of pouring down and pouring down. You walk up to this rain that's pouring down from this wall. It's almost like a veil of rain at the end of this hallway. And there's like these different strange words and symbols and things like that coming up within the rain. And it's like, okay, what, what is this? What am I looking at here? What does it say? And so it occurs to me, well, let me walk through it. Maybe I'll get some answers. So I walk through this veil of rain and boom, everything is like reset. I'm back in the building again. And I end up in that hallway again. And instead of rain this time, 
it's snow coming down as a veil instead of the rain. And again, this is you know being told by others that are there, this is the infinity. So again, I walk up to this thing and there's like these words and symbols that I just can't make out or decipher that are you know mixed up within this uh, snow that's now coming down. And again, I walk through the veil, walk through the snow and everything resets. And I'm back in the building again, again, still as a woman. And um, this time there was like more turmoil and things like this going on in the building. So I didn't get back to that particular hallway with uh, the snow or the rain or whatever it was. But basically this time I was handed documents. Documents were put in my hand that I was supposed to keep or safeguard or do something with. And on the paper, on the documents, where I get all these strange words and symbols and I just, I can't, I can't read it. Um, somewhere along the way there, you know, I ended up waking up from that particular dream, but it's like almost calling out to me of, okay, this is, you know, some sort of ancient knowledge that we're passing into it. It might have, you know, is it a mixture of, you know, past lives as we're passing through this veil and things are changing from, from rain to snow. Now it's documents that, you know, these words are being mixed up and, you know, what's going on with this. So is that, you know, is that the universe trying to perhaps impart some sort of knowledge upon me that I just couldn't decipher yet? And maybe at some point I will, I don't know. Um, but that's another possible thing, you know, that could be happening here, you know, within our dreams, within our dream state, that the universe could be imparting some sort of, of knowledge upon us. So, all right. That was a lot of uh, stuff with the premonitions. So let's get into uh, dream visitations because there are a lot of times, I mean, we, you know, a lot of the stories that we heard earlier, um, not necessarily premonition dreams, but visitations, uh, loved ones that have uh, come in many cases right after they have passed. That's, that's really kind of the more common story where they appear in dreams, uh, they may appear physically, but it's more like an, like an apparition, some sort of solid form of an apparition because they passed and you know maybe they're you know not even in the building. Um, they're they're physical bodies somewhere else, but yet they appear to people. Um, but sometimes they you know appear in the dreams even later on. Um, so one particular dream, and I tell this story a lot when we talk about dream visitations. I was with my grandparents, and I, I think what will happen sometimes is, you know, you may be going through something in your life, and you might have a loved one come back from beyond the veil or whatever you want to call it, and um, maybe encourage you, impart you with some sort of knowledge, um, maybe give you some sort of advice, deliver a message, something. And I believe this happened with with my grandparents because I was having this dream one particular night where now this was um, I was going through my divorce at the time, and it had been ugly for a long while. It was it was a very very ugly divorce, extremely stressful. Um, there was just so much going on with that that. 
I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so I had this, this dream one night that I was back at that house in Oklahoma. And cleaning things. Things are getting packed up. They're getting put away. So things are, you know, getting moved out of the house. You know, this is like moving day out of that particular house. Um, the, the divorce apparently has happened. And I'm at the, the counter. There was this, um, and I should have grabbed some of the photos, but uh, there was this, the dream visitation video that I mentioned earlier that I uh, posted the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel. You can see some of that. Uh, in that video that was posted like two years ago. But actually, if you go way back to the Paranormal Vines videos that were actually recorded out there, which is where some of those clips are from, you can see the whole the whole setup. So basically, uh, it was one massive room between the kitchen and the living room and the dinette. And so there is this bar area uh, between the kitchen and the living room. And I'm basically cleaning that. You know, kind of wiping it down, wiping it down. There's other people milling about the house, doing some different things. And all of a sudden, I noticed over there, kind of like a little further down the barn on the other side, in, in the kitchen area, my grandparents. Now, my grandparents had, had passed. Um, you know, my, my grandfather passed like three years before my grandmother, and then she passed away. So this is after that. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and I my grandparents are here. I, I run around the bar, go to them and I'm hugging them. Oh my gosh, grandma, grandpa, what are you doing here? So it's wonderful to see you. You, know, How are you? And I, I kept asking them how they were doing, if they were doing fine and all that stuff. And they're like, we're okay. We're, we're, we're doing fine. But you need to realize that you're going to be okay. And at, at that time in the dream, I just, I wasn't listening to what they were saying. And I'm just like, you know, trying to hug them and and, you know, ask them how they were doing. They kept trying to say, you know, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And then I noticed in one of the other rooms um, out in the dining room area that my dad was grabbing some boxes and he was taking them out to, uh, to his truck, which is something that did happen. My dad made two trips out there uh, with his truck to go, to go grab some things. And, um, you know, I, I got the message. From them, once I woke up from that, you know, I got them. I got the message that they had come back because I was so stressed out about everything that was going on that they had come back to visit in my dream to let me know that everything was going to be okay. That I couldn't see the light at the tunnel then, but everything was going to work out and everything was going to be a fine. And and it was eventually. It took it took some time to get there, but but it did. So that's a, you know, visitation there uh, through dreams from my grandparents. Now, this next one, um, I believe was a visitation. I, I believe this can even happen in a much, much different manner. It's actually not my dream, my mom's, um, before I was born where I was, I was still in the womb. Now this is, you know, back in the day where you, you didn't have ultrasounds to determine if it's a, if it's a boy or a girl, you don't find out until the child is born. But when my mom was pregnant with me, she had a set of recurring dreams that included her mother. Now her mother died when she 
when my mother was 12 years old. So I, I never met my grandmother on that side. She died of cancer. And, um, and in this dream, uh, my grandmother was uh, basically in, in the wheelchair that she had spent, I, I guess, from my understanding, like the last six months of her life because um, the cancer was just kind of eating away at her. So she's in the chair. Um, and my, my mother in the dream hands her me, hands her the baby. And my grandmother was holding me and saying that, you know, she, she loves, she loves her grandson. Um, and even just telling that story kind of chokes me up. Um, because for one, I mean, the dream was absolutely correct. It was a son that was born. I mean, you could say it's a 50-50 chance, but um, it was it was a recurring dream. And recurring dreams definitely have significance. But even though I wasn't even born yet, and I never actually met my grandmother, I believe that it was not only a visitation from my mother, I believe it was a visitation for me, even though I wasn't even born yet, that somehow wherever my consciousness was at that time was having this experience. Because when my mom recounted the tale to me when I was a, when I was a child, the impact of that story just absolutely resounded with me, not as, oh, this is you know, a nice, cute, emotional story, but it resounded to me like it was a memory. Like, okay, this was, this was my mother's dream. She had had a visitation from her mother in that, in that dream. But to me, it was like a memory. So I don't, I, I can't say precisely how that works. It's something that at some point I will explore into but however that ethereal plane works, wherever our consciousness can go, and our consciousness can go to many places, um, you know, we talk about astral projection. We're going to talk a little bit about that here in a month. Jesus, we only got 12 minutes left. And, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, wherever our consciousness can drift off to and go and visit, um, it can interact with multiple planes of existence. It can it can cross over that veil. It can go into other dimensions and, and, and find people from other walks of life. And so here we have a moment where you have somebody that's in the living. You have somebody that has died and somebody who has not yet been born all in the same conscious moment. Absolutely blows my mind absolutely blows my mind, but it happened. All right. So I know that was a lot of, of that, but, um, some other things I wanted to throw out here. And I mentioned this, I mentioned a few of these in the, um, in the dream visitation video from two years ago. Um, you know, how do you know it's a, a an actual visitation? One, is there a meaningful message to it? Um, because I've had other dreams with, with my grandparents that it was just kind of, you know, weird, strange, and ridiculous, like being in the back seat of the car with my grandparents stuck in traffic. And then all of a sudden there's 
um, you know, a little bit of a give in the traffic in very, very uncharacteristic of my grandfather. He just zooms off and takes off and it's like, yeah, that's just a weird one. But in the other one where they, you know, visited me in the, the kitchen, uh, there in, in Oklahoma and were reassuring me that everything was going to be okay. That was a meaningful message. Um, two, can you feel their spirit energy? I absolutely, uh, felt that with my grandparents and, um, and then with, with my grandmother, again, not my dream, but the fact that when my mom recounted the story, it was like a memory to me and I could recount in my mind, actually feeling the energy there in that moment. Yes. And what's interesting though, um, talking about the, the energy here for a moment, um, from that, uh, visitation with my grandparents in the kitchen, all that. I, I mentioned my dad was taking boxes from um, the dining room out to his truck. His spirit energy was not there. That was just like an image. Like here's something that's going to happen where your, your dad is going to be helping you take boxes out to the truck. It was just an image of something that was going to happen while my grandparents were actually there. So that's a kind of an, an interesting uh, viewpoint with that. Uh, and then number three, trust your instincts in the moment. If, if everything about your experience of that dream is telling you this was a visitation, trust that. Then it was a visitation. Um, then how do we actually get one for people that are like, hey, I, I would like to have a visitation from a loved one. Well, this is not something I can guarantee. And the fact that I am not um, very reliable when it comes to meditation um, because I've, I've really kind of still need to, I've put myself into a meditative state before kind of unknowingly. Um, so I can't guarantee this, but this is my recommendation while you're going to sleep. If you want a dream visitation, while you're going to sleep, try to put yourself into that meditative state and then concentrate on trying to communicate with that loved one might not happen immediately. might take some some days might take some weeks, might take some months. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Um, and that at some point, again, can't guarantee it. Um, but you should be able to get one. Um, I also recommend getting a dream journal and, and writing your dreams down. I was going to have mine with me. It's actually out in the living room area. Um, and when you have your dreams, write them down. If you can remember your dream from the night before, try to find a few moments and write it down. Try to write it down as soon as you can, because as your day goes on, you lose more and more detail of the dream. So it's best to try to do it when you first wake up and jot it down. So then there are things that, um, you know, not just chronicling what happened in the dream, but you might, as you're writing out that dream, things might kind of click to you and you might actually you know learn a, th a thing or two about yourself like oh that's an interesting perspective and you know realize that you got some sort of knowledge out of your dream um okay so we don't have a lot of time to go into all this which is unfortunate but we can we can touch on it in other discussions but okay the movie dreamscape from the uh from the early 80s with dennis quaid so this is a, um, sure, it's fiction, but basically it touches on the idea of astral projecting uh, you know, from your dream state into somebody else's dream. Now, you know, we've kind of already discussed um, within the visitations of, you know, 
basically people from multiple walks of life uh, being able to interact with with each other. So if you're able to astral project, we we know people um, can can do this. We know some very uh, uh, proficient astral projectors where at night, boom, they're able to come out of their body. Or and it's not even at night. I say that because that's typically when people, I guess, try to do it. You know, they're kind of you know, laying down at night meditating and then they're able to project, but you can, you can do it any time of day. Um, but within that particular movie, uh, you know, they're going, they're doing a lot of different sleep studies. I, I really wish that they would update this movie, that they would come out with a newer version of it. Cause there's the premise of it is fantastic, but the special effects are, oh my gosh. Um, you, you can tell it's early 80s. <laughs> uh, but the premise is fascinating where uh, within the dream study, they're trying to uh, you know, take a person who's having these horrible nightmares and bring a person who can basically project their consciousness into the person's dream to be able to help them out within it. And one of the things like Dennis Quaid does is he helps this uh, child overcome his uh, you know, this monster that that's within his dream. Um, of course, it goes further where, you know, he has to stop this other you know, bad guy who can do the same thing from getting into the, uh, the, the president's dreams. It's kind of where they end up going with that. Um, so where I've tried to um, kind of do this sort of thing and in, in my attempts to do that, uh, not necessarily to jump into somebody else's dream, um, but you know, I was kind of inspired by that and also the movie Somewhere in Time. And I was basically kind of trying to put myself back into um, another year. I was in Ohio, I had moved from Massachusetts as a kid and wanted to go, go back and visit. Um, so having Dreamscape in, in Somewhere in Time, where he basically sent his somewhere in time, he sent his consciousness into another point in time. Dreamscape, he's sending his consciousness into another person's dream. So you're doing stuff with your consciousness and projecting somewhere. And so I was trying to do that. And that's where I almost had an out-of-body experience. You know, went into a meditative state, had no idea that's what I was doing, and got to this point where, you know, I felt like these waves and this electric feel. It's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And woke up because I was just kind of starting to freak out a little bit. Um... Let's see what else we wanted to get into here. Um, okay, so like recurring dreams. Um, a lot of recurring dreams, there might be something we just like need to reconcile. Um, a lot of the ones that I've had have usually been, uh, you know, multiple dreams about the same person over and over and over again because there's some sort of strife with that particular person. And once I was able to uh, address that with that person, then the dreams stop happening. Um, a few years ago, uh, I was having a lot of nightmares about my kids, and uh, you know they're they're all adults, and they were all adults when I was when I was having these dreams, and but they kept popping up and kept popping up, and um, you know, because of and I mentioned the divorce earlier, because of that, you know there was some fallout there, and they were you know kind of really hesitant to to talk to me for a while, and you know you know repairing that and talking more and more, that sort of thing. But I was still having these nightmares. And um, when I went to go see and visit my son, Chase, when he was he was back in Maryland, he's in Virginia now. 
um, when you're taking on a, a new job out there, um, I, I went to go visit him. It was like after that visit, those dreams really subsided. I still have dreams about my kids, but um, the those type of nightmares that I was having at the time um, had really uh, calmed down after that point. So it was you know some sort of anxiety about my kids that by visiting one of them, I was able to put some of that to bed, which was good because we had a nice conversation. Um, let's see. Um, trying to go through the list here. I'm not going to be able to get into all of it. Um, okay, dying in a dream. So the whole idea of you die in a dream, you die in real life. Not true. Um, you can you can die in a dream and still live. Um, a lot of times, though, your your consciousness will will stop you from dying in the dream. Like the whole falling thing. Um, a lot of times we will fall, and a lot of times the fall will wake some somebody up. But if you ever get to that point that you're going to hit, a lot of times at least for me, your your consciousness kind of slows down the whole thing. And then it's like you get to the bottom, you just kind of stand up. Okay, I'm on the bottom and kind of walk away from it. Kind of weird. But I have actually died uh, in a dream, point blank shot to the forehead, which here's another topic we haven't had time to get into, is through a dream, can you see a past life? And I think in some of these cases, like people will have some very, very interesting dreams um, from other points in time. And sure, it could be like, you know, maybe you saw a movie and that bit of movies kind of playing out or what have you. But I think sometimes we're actually getting a glimpse of a former life because we still have some connections and some ties back to that. It's been, it's been repressed from us. And there, for some people, there is an event that'll happen in their life that unlocks like some door and all of a sudden they get like a flood of, of old memories. Uh, which is which is really fascinating. But you can sometimes get a glimpse of these things while you're dreaming as well. For me, that significantly happened with what I believe was witnessing a past death where I was in a uh, was out in a jungle somewhere and you know when I talk about this, it really to me is reminiscent of of Vietnam because out in a jungle area, there's a war going on. you know we're we're shooting back and forth you know, across this, this jungle area. Uh, and then all of a sudden, one of the enemy pops up right in front of me in point blank uh, to my forehead with a pistol. And all of a sudden, I saw all these vivid colors. It was like a kaleidoscope of colors just erupted. So, you know, going the whole, you know, old tale of you only dream in black and white. No, 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 no. You can dream in color. Um, don't, don't know how that one got passed around as we were kids, but you can dream in color. Um, so I'm seeing this kaleidoscope of colors and then all of a sudden it subsides in the jungles there, but everybody's gone. And I'm kind of looking around, looking around, walking around where, where the heck is everybody? Everybody's just gone. So what I believe happened there was it's my, my previous life just before this one, I was born in 1974. Um, so I believe my, my previous self was in that battle in Vietnam, died there. And for a, a brief moment after the death, my consciousness, my soul was still, you know, wandering the jungle area there after the battle had, was gone, done, they had left. Um, and then I eventually ended up here. 
So I don't know what would have been the catalyst to kick off that dream. Um, but yeah, but I, I believe that was actually a, a view of a of a past death. And uh, what's interesting is I was telling that story to my friend Kelly. Um, this is when I was home from tech school, 1992. Yeah, it would have been October 1992. It might have been right now exactly how many years ago? 30 years ago. <laughs> exactly 30 years ago right now, really. Um, I'm sitting in, uh, we're just in Burger King, and we're just talking about this specific story. And after I got done with the story, um, a few minutes later, there was this guy over at the the other table, comes up, he's like, I, I don't mean to intrude, but I couldn't help but overhear your story, and I want to talk to you about this dream that you had. And he gave me his number, and then he walked out. Now, if it was me today, I would have called him. But this was me at 18 years old, and, you know, I'm still of the whole, you know, mom taught me don't talk to strangers sort of thing. And, and you know, who the heck is this weird guy? And what the heck does he want with me, et cetera? So I never followed up. But there's a big part of me now that wonders what he might have had to share. Has he had, did he have similar dreams in the past? Um, did he... Maybe he was somebody from you know our type of field where uh, you know he might have some insight into how dreams and you know past lives and things like that work. Or is it because he would have been of that age? This was an older guy. Was there something about the battle scene that I described to Kelly that he recognized and maybe he was there? I don't know. And unfortunately, I never will because I never followed up with him and I no longer have the number. So, all right, it is at the hour mark. we got to wrap it up. There are uh, several other things that I had wanted to uh, get into with this that uh, we are just not going to be able to, like, uh, you know, other entities entering into dreams and being able to manipulate dreams like lucid dreaming and things like that. Um, we'll have to follow up with those a, another day. Uh, and just, and also the idea of living out, uh, things that we would have liked to in our lives that, you know, we're just, we're not able to now being able to do it in a dream. So we'll have to follow up with, uh, with that stuff another day. All right. I uh, really appreciate everybody tuning in this evening. Again, for those that are not a part of the connected universe that are listening to this later on one of the podcast platforms, please join us out here every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Join us for the live presentation. Ask your questions. And, of course, you have all the wonderful other material on the back in hours and hours and hours worth of videos and plenty of articles. A lot to do and see out there. So, all right, everybody, have a good evening. Until next time, if time really exists.